Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz. And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel Investors from Ragnarsson. Hello guys, welcome again in Founding Impact. Today our guest is Boris Förster from Amation Capital. Hello Boris, uh, super cool to have you here. Hello, hello. Hi, great to be here. Yeah, Boris. So. You are an impact investor with a strong focus on agri-tech, but that's not entirely how you started your professional career. I took uh, a little uh, peek at uh, your experience. It's all public, uh, public available data, of course. Uh, and uh, I have to say your story sounds super interesting to me because you, haven't, you don't have like a financial, strong financial background like a lot of investors do, which makes you super interesting to me. Can you tell me a little bit how you started why you started where you started and how you got from i'm not gonna tell anything i will let you mm. tell you the story how you ended up uh, doing investment and impact uh, the most well yeah um for sure so f first of all uh, let me uh say one thing about uh where we invest i would say we are not an impact investor focused on agriculture but we are an agricultural investor with a strong focus on impact. I think there's a huge difference between the two because we solely focus on the um, on the agricultural uh, uh, supply chain. So um, yeah, I, I started actually uh, with a very different career path. Um, my, my, my family uh, has, uh, has undergone generational changes between farming and doing something with, uh, with ships. So my granddad had a, um, a small shipping company and his own his his own ships. He was a captain at at sea. Uh, his dad was a farmer. His dad was going to the navy. His dad had a farm and so on and so forth. <laughs> so the farm stayed in the family for a long time there because at least the um, the, the the next heir uh, could take over the farming operations. So and then my stepdad was a naval architect and I had a very close relationship to my granddad. Um, so it was kind of a, a set path to go into uh, something to do with ships, right? So I wanted to do, become a captain when I was a kid, then learned, yeah, that the romanticism of going to sea is, is not like that anymore. Um, then I decided I want to become a naval architect. And actually, um, I, I nearly pulled that off. Um, I... Uh, I did uh, engineering studies for, uh, for uh, shipbuilding technology, traveled around the world. That was my first career, so to speak. Um, and uh, that brought me um, across Asia, uh, New Zealand and, and Australia. And, and I lived there for, for several years and, and worked there as well. And um, then, then came a time when I asked myself, well, my hobby was to sail and restore ships um so I, I don't know my whole life was ships like yachts right so i wasn't building like commercial ships but but yachts uh and uh, i decided okay either the hobby has to go or the career has to change uh so i decided to keep the hobby uh and i was always really really interested in, in agriculture and food production, just because it's also part of the family. I grew up at my aunt's uh, farm every, almost every summer. 
they they do uh, a vegetable farming and now they do uh, mostly asparagus and Christmas tree uh, with a fairly sizable operation. So um, I, I studied uh, again um, uh, economics and econometrics. So uh, I, I do have some sense of, <laughs> of numbers uh, and, and some financial, um, say, back, at least educational background, so to speak, right? Um, and then I started over a decade ago um, a, a new career um, back then with Ernst & Young in their newly founded retail and consumer products practice, which I found super interesting. They had just bought a team out from, uh, from Roland Berger uh, and I had applied actually there and then I decided to go with the entire team to, uh, to Ernst & Young. And uh, yeah, started at the very downstream end of the supply chain with, uh, well, what was called retail technology then, trying to calculate how you get more profit out of a, a shelf uh, full of vegetables. And uh, I would say that's really when the journey started to work my way uh, towards the source. Uh, every year I got closer and closer to the source until uh, in my previous position, before we founded Amathean, I, um, uh, I I ran and 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 co-founded the agricultural uh, practice at a mid-sized technology uh, consultancy called Accelerate, um, with with several offices in in Germany and and but global operations, and we built um, basically global technology strategies for um, companies from mid-sized German uh, machinery, uh, ag machinery businesses, chemical companies, uh, and uh, also we um, up to Fortune 500 companies building global strategies, which was really interesting because um, there was no one or very few people do doing that globally. So, so we were able to, um, to run really large uh, global projects. So while I was doing that, you know, you get really close to the top management and, and C-level uh, in, in most of those uh, companies. Um, and, and actually, I was privileged enough to, uh, to have uh, closer relations with the uh, CEOs and CFOs and COOs of some of the largest businesses in that area on the planet. And naturally, you start talking about where do you want to invest? Because that's what the project is about. And you come and you come to where is technology going? Where are markets going? What do we actually need? Do you have kids? How do you think about where things are going? Like, especially with COVID, conversations got very personal sometimes because mm -hmm. you saw the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And there was one instance uh, that this is a true thing that happened his garden door was open and his son rode his bicycle into the living room and he turned around and he was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> and starting an argument with the son. And uh, it was obviously that is an icebreaker. Yeah. Um, so you start these conversations and then it naturally goes into why aren't they able to do these investments? It is often uh, driven by, by shareholder pressure, uh, it's driven by a very rigid and, and unflexible structures within the company. So 
uh, trying to cut a, a long story now, now short, it basically, what, what came out of those conversations was, hey, why don't you build a multi-corporate fund? Um, it's totally not what we wanted to do. Uh, we had really good jobs. We were very successful. Uh, and uh, But we thought this was something that needed to happen. And so discussions went on and on and on. Everyone thought, of course, it's a great idea and blah, 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 blah. But uh, nothing followed on the blah, blah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And after three years, yes, one company that we had spoken with said, look, um, it's not going to happen amongst us. Um, you, you need to do it. Or someone else needs to do it. Do you want to do it? And that's when we really started thinking about it. This is about two years ago, no, two and a half years ago now. Actually, I know we're in 2022. It's already three years ago. It's crazy. Surprise. So um, then we said, look, we have uh, actually no time to do this right now, but in a year, perhaps. Yeah. And, and, Actually, the Green Deal is supposed to be signed in, in 2020. So let's see what actually happens. Yeah, because uh, at the moment, it's kind of like we, no one knows where it's exactly going. So many documents have been leaked out of the negotiations. No one knew what was really coming. Um, so then it was signed. And then basically within a matter of eight weeks, we, um, we put together uh, in, an initial vehicle. Um, the partners that we had talked to before, um, they were, well, let's say um, the decision-making time is quite long. Yeah. <laughs> so we decided not to wait for that. Uh, and we found, uh, we found a partner who really believed in our hypothesis, which we'll probably come to later. And, um, and that company is called Saxovent. And that's how Amethion Capital uh, came to be. Before we may we dive a bit deeper into how, how you operate your fund, I'm very curious to, to know, um, because in your story, you explained that you are going closer and closer to the source um, of, the, of the food system. So from more from retail to, to actually to agriculture. And um, did it happen spontaneously or was it like a specific plan that you had in place? Was Did you know that you want to stay close to agriculture even though uh, the company was um, like a consultancy doing many different things? Like how was the, what was kind of the motivation to, to be close to, to this space? So, I mean, yeah, interesting question. The the motivation was not from my side back then. Uh, I, I want to move to the source yeah, and I'm th going through the supply chain. Mm -hmm. The motivation was much more that when I started, people were talking about two supply chains, one agriculture, one food. And that totally didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And no matter who I talked to, people who are supposed experts working in the industry for 40 years, veterans, they're like, that's the way it is. Like, yeah, but look, uh, <laughs> there is a fertilizer company or seed company. It gets planted, the plant gets fertilized, someone grow a farmer grows something out of it, and sometime it, and, and and there will be a stage where it ends up in your bin at your home, right? But isn't it one? And they're like, No, don't think about it too much. Yeah. It th that's the way it is. And 
I didn't accept that. Uh, I didn't want to accept that. So I said, well, to be able to, so first of all, no one will listen to me now because I'm green behind the ears. And so I need to, um, to understand how that whole system works and to be able to understand that, try to work in as many segments as possible. So I started uh, to diversify in projects, look for the right people, uh, did a lot of um, free work, yeah, just to look into other areas uh, while I was uh, in, in consulting. So um, my weeks were like 100 and plus hours, uh, working 70 for the consultancy to 80 and then adding other stuff on top. But it didn't seem like work because it was just the learning. Um, and, um, until I'd say I got to the stage where I thought I had it figured out for myself. How the, how so the entire system works. Mm -hmm. Sorry. How the entire system works. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Well, at, at least I'm not saying, I'm not uh, claiming to myself that I'm an expert in every system, but I thought at least I have an understanding where do goods flow? Uh, is it really as linear as on every chart? Yeah, it's obviously not. We all know that. But why and, and how do goods actually flow through uh, the system? And why are certain intermediaries there? And, and do they have a right to be there? So do you feel like you're in the right place right now to be able to uh, make some change in the way people think, like uh, to, to change the things that bothers you in like this traditional way of thinking about supply chain, agri and food and uh, being an investor? Is Absolutely. There is no better position. You can't have this position for political reasons uh, in uh, large corporations, even though there are many good people across all stages uh, of, uh, of the hierarchy uh, who want to drive changes, but you're always confined to an, uh, an ecosystem that needs to work for the, for the corporation, of course, uh, and for your partners. Now we are independent. Mm -hmm. So uh, we basically talk amongst three people and decide whether we want to make an investment or not, and whether that is adding to our impact line uh, whether that is increasing our uh, CO2 saved uh, uh, per euro invested, uh, which is a KPI, and whether we think it is uh, some, I mean, it's not, this is not a hard criteria, but this is what we are thinking about. Is this something that I can explain my sons and I want to explain to my sons in the future why I invested in that? Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good argument. I would say it's at least the second time when we hear or read about uh, about it. So I'm referring to what you said about understanding how the system works. And in your interview with Egg Founder, uh, you made this uh, pretty bold statement that uh, we have a very clear vision of where the industry needs to go. Where does it need to go? And that would be that would be my question. Well, it'd be boring if I just uh, shouted that out in the open, right? <laughs> 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 and we don't claim, of course, that we will be right. Uh, we just have a, um, say, we have an internal picture, a, a, a real image, a drawing of what we see as the uh, fictitious uh, agricultural future company. 
Yeah, this company uh, we believe will never exist as one company. So it's a completely fictitious uh, picture, but it shows much more a system mm -hmm. of how things um, should work together. And uh, this is also how we build our investment uh, investment strategy. So uh, this was the hypothesis that I talked about uh, in the beginning. We came with a hypothesis that wouldn't it be cool and beneficial to act like uh, act and invest uh, like a strategic, but our company is not uh, a chemical company or a uh, an ag equipment company. Our company is say has as the major role um, making farming operations fit for the future. I'm intentionally not saying sustainable because I hate that word, but. Um, so, but, but we come with the benefit of being completely independent. Yeah, we don't need to answer to anybody uh, apart from obviously our investors, but they put full trust uh, in, in us that we make the right decision. And I think this, this shows at least internally in uh, six investments that we've made and uh, there was not, never one doubt uh, about it in the group uh, that we need to make these investments always clear from the beginning. Um, so look, I mean, in, in Europe, we have the European green deal. Um, this is putting a lot of, uh, a lot of speed, uh, in, well, it should put a lot of speed in the next eight years, uh, into what is happening. And we think that uh, instead of moaning, we should take this as an opportunity because other uh, regions will follow with the same or even stricter uh, regulation. So it's an opportunity to become a major technology exporter to the world, right? But to be able to do this, you can't, this is at least what, what we believe, you can't just um, say, sell a picture to use an analogy of a gearbox, but only sell one gear is not working. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, you, you need the full working gearbox. Now, if we understand uh, the gearbox as how does an agricultural system works, right? And th that's way more complicated than a, a, a planetary gearbox, because if I turn here, I don't know what direction uh, the other one uh, will, will come out of. Yeah. So. I need to basically put many different parts together that work uh, in an, yeah, sorry, I also hate the word ecosystem, but it, <laughs> it kind of works in a, in, in a network um, of synergies, yeah, at least in symbiosis. So that kind of explains how, how we think, right? So we are trying to plug together different uh, cogs, uh, of a gearbox, or we call it Lego blocks, that in an ideal fashion uh, creates uh, a synergy because they can offer a bundled product which has much higher value than the individual two products of the company to the customer. And this is important because we're not talking about margin and sales. Uh, we're talking about to the customer. Margin and sales, that's a byproduct of a, of a good product, at least in our opinion. So, so that's the way 
we think um, we think about because about agriculture. I mean, um, this kind of brings us also to regen, right? Regen regenerative agriculture. I mean, I, I'm not an agronomist, uh, and I'm more of a layman in in that area. But I think that explains really well why we think about it this way, um, and and also to answer uh, a bit deeper part of the questions that that you just asked. I mean, regen is, in in my opinion, is a philosophy of land management, yeah, and, and stewardship. So it kind of forces you to think, if, if you want to do that, it kind of forces you to think about um, how everything in agriculture, but also outside of your own bubble, is connected. Um, so it's kind of like a supply, and, a supply and demand function of every little part in your ecosystem of your plant, your soil, your machine, uh, your people, and so on and so forth. And, and it's not geared at exploiting. So um, it's quite the opposite of what I mentioned earlier, at least in, in my opinion, of a linear supply chain that we always depict on all these charts just because it's so easy to depict it that way. Um, and I think sometimes it's not good to simplify things because it sticks in people's heads and, and it's really hard to get, to get rid of it again. So that does not mean that the linearity of a supply chain is um, is not important uh, in the in the future, right? We need to move things from from A to B, but it's not as simple as moving things from A to B, right? There's a lot of things that happened uh, in in uh, in between, and by contrast, if you think about the uh, industrial, just give me a moment. If you think about the industrial agricultural ecosystem, I mean. That is currently uh, dominated um, by the by hu huge companies and uh, incentivizes practices uh, like uh, soil erosion, monocropping, and and so on and so forth. Right. So that's industrial large scale production that um, uses the tools that were provided in the past to make their system as efficient as possible intentionally not saying effective right now mm -hmm. yeah but i mean you use what you're getting given to make that most pro well over time most if, uh, efficient and most profitable over time but back then to do regenerative agriculture on a large scale Again, my, my personal feeling and, and belief is really hard to back that with data. But if you look at what is needed for that, uh, that would have um, only been possible at prohibitive costs. Um, just, just talking about labor. Yeah. But now we have, uh, we have made such huge technological advancements that uh, we are at the beginning of um, a a new a, a, say a morphing of the uh, supply chain of the food supply chain and the agricultural system and this is what we want to support also with with our money because now you have technology uh, and 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 uh, and so software and hardware 
to be able to bring costs down to run these highly complex uh, ecosystems, which we under have been understanding for a long time that they are much more complex than we uh, treat them. Uh, in also in a in an effective and and not so cost prohibitive way. Actually, costs are coming down hugely, right? So, and I think it needs investors like us and many more. Uh, I I would hope uh, in the next years there will be at least. 10 to 20 more uh, of our sort that invest heavily in hardware uh, because you try eat software. Yeah, um, it, it's not working and software is not going to uh, change our climate uh, problems. You can measure it. Great. Yeah, but me measure that is going downhill. What are you going to do about it? Software is not going to draw it out of the air. So this is kind of like the whole thing uh, of of how we uh, make make investment decisions how we treat how we how we look at targets how do they fit into this ecosystem how do they contribute to the overall and and how we think the whole system is gonna is gonna uh, develop and um, and also that means if you look at the entire supply chain and how that network is, is built because we are not the first, right? It's already started. Um, then markets will expand hugely because then you're looking at not, hey, there's a company that builds, say, an implement or uh, an, an autonomous tractor like Axseed, uh, uh, one of our portfolio companies. And then you look at, okay, what's the market for tractors and what's the market penetration for autonomy? But you're looking at, so the entire supply chain and what parts can you manage and can you do you make money by uh, selling an asset? Uh, do you make money by uh, renting that asset out or do you make money by um, giving others technological access to actuators on the land? It's a very different business models. And Many of those would not have been possible simply due to the costs and because technology was not that far, uh, even even five to ten years uh, ago, right? But I think that is part of why the um, why the industry has developed in the way it it has, and it's really hard to get out of that place. I mean, yeah. they, those and those are tankers. Uh, and uh, I see uh, actually a very strong commitment of many companies that want to move into a different direction, but it will take time and uh, young companies don't have that legacy and it will be much easier. So would you say that, uh, first of all, yeah, I can see that you have a very strong vision and you're very uh, convinced about that. And I think it's awesome that you're very bold in your activities and you go in the direction you believe. But you've said that now the whole industry is on the verge of this change, that it has to happen and you are part of it as investor. You said that the companies are want to do, want to change the, st the status quo. And you also mentioned the, the European Green Deal as being a part of 
initiating the changes, would you say that the Green Deal itself is enough to really support the industry in changing the direction? Or I know that you observed it for, for a little bit more than the regular person and you know a bit more detail. Would you say it's enough what's, what's stated there or there is something is missing or would it be enough for companies to really force the change and to give investors as you enough mm. tools, enough space to really work in the direction so, they believe in? I don't think regulation is enough. It is, um, well, it's not even getting the ball rolling, it's just taking obstacles out of the way. I think the ball was rolling in the right direction be mm -hmm. before. It's, uh, so it, well, it could be, um, to go from a, uh, from a gavel track to an autobahn. Yeah. So th that's all I think regulation uh, can do for you. Uh, obviously it creates also grants and subsidies for certain sectors, but it, it should also work without those. So, um, but I think it's really important. The statement this is making because, um, now, with what I've said, I've just addressed new technology coming up. Yeah, but what the Green Deal, of course, is also doing is killing entire markets intentionally. Yeah, um, talking about uh, fertilizer and plant protection, um, for example. Um, but it's also creating pressure, pressure to move faster. Because if we want to increase agricultural land area to 25% for organic production, then that's not going to happen at the same price point with the way we do it today. Um, and, and for that, I don't need to be an agronomist. For that, I just need to understand supply and demand. Uh, and it's, that's just not going to happen. Uh, and also, we need to understand that uh, the way we measure uh, minimum residue levels uh, in the EU, in the plants, uh, in the fruit and veg that, that go to the shelves, it's not just addressing uh, the European farmers. Because if you are located in Turkey or say Kazakhstan growing or Uzbekistan to grow melons um, and you want to export to the EU, you need to stick to the same regulation because otherwise you can't bring it in. So that creates pressure. Yeah. But uh, to come to the second part of, of your question. So the technological advancements that I was speaking about before, um, they will now actually give us the chance to, to drive these changes that we've talked about. And now the, the regulation is going in the right direction. It's going in the right direction in other countries. So the question I think really is why do we think that um, apart from the standard, yeah, we need to change things. Uh, do we believe uh, in, in this and, and, and believe this is going to happen? Yeah. And it's because you have a completely different conversation with, a, say, a large corporation that wants to change something. There's the conversation that you have with a person personally, and then there's the corporate conversation. Right. And, and that's geared towards shareholders and preserving. Pr preserving is an important word here. 
shareholder value. Um, with a young uh, company, and I'm specifically not, not meaning young people, because I think the average age uh, of founders in our investments is, is uh, mid to late 40s. Um, with young companies, they have no legacy. They often know the system and they want to change something without that legacy. And they're reimagining, how would I do it today if I had to build everything from scratch? And that's a di very different uh, foundation. And I, I'm certain um, that all founders that at least we invested in and most we've talked to are not, or let's say that we are interested in, um, are not driven by sales or margins. It's, as I said in the beginning, it's a byproduct of a good working uh, um, product that is needed. Yeah. So they are driven much more by, uh, by a mission to, um, to to change something right their, their mission in a very in a very general sense is they um yeah i'm probably gonna get killed for this but <laughs> i i would say i i would say in a very general sense and it's meant in the most nice way is they look at how the system is working and they want to empower the most squeezed party in that supply chain which owns the most critical parts of the supply chain because often these are highly distributed and they cannot build bargaining power. So th that is a very, very different mindset. Th that is a mission uh, that, that you're on. And th secondly, so that's the first thing that, that this, we see. This party you would uh, describe as, as farmers or someone else as well? Well, it could be. It could be farmers, it could be farm operators, it could be distribution. Uh, you make no money in distribution. You always have to uh, co-finance this with some, something else. Uh, and But it's critical. Yeah, If you don't get things from A to B, I mean, you can't send an email with uh, an avocado. So um, there, there are several parts. But it's also about thinking, do all players need to be there? Uh, do all the intermediaries need to be there or are they just there because in the past uh, they had a reason to be because of the way the supply chain worked someone needed to uh, handle certain things it couldn't be done in-house now the the reality is very different so of course no one says by by, by himself yeah I'm gonna you know cease to exist or cease my business um, but, but we need to reconsider this. So th this is one view that we see in every one of the, the, the founders. And the second is, and this is also often part of the conversation, uh, is they are driven by making um, a contribution. Yeah. And, and this is, you can see this positively and negatively because that means huge ego. Yeah. Um, even though you don't necessarily see that in, in the beginning, but you need to have a fairly big ego, uh, I, I think, um, 
to uh, to be able to make those bold statements and do bold things where you just don't care what anyone else is telling you. And th this also um, uh, accounts for us, right? Uh, I've said, uh, say to, to some of the portfolio companies, a hundred things and, and maybe one thing got through, but um, they are doing well, right? And, and it's totally fine. We accept that because otherwise, uh, why didn't we not found that company? Um, so I think that connects all of them and makes the major differentiator to uh, the others. Maybe one more question about the Green Deal itself. So you mentioned it, uh, it's helping the industry to move forward. The, uh, what the, the description you did like with uh, having like a, like a highway instead of just like a, a normal road. Um, but uh, do you think it? Sorry, uh, if I may intersect, that's an ideal scenario. Yeah, that's not how it is in all aspects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is why I'm, uh, I have this additional question. Like, are there any aspects of it that are not really reachable? So, uh, the the goals are so ambitious that we don't really have any replacements for existing solutions. Like, for instance, with traditional fertilizers. Um, is there enough, enough alternatives on the market to really fill this gap? Uh, at the moment, uh, the, the clear answer is no. The, the, um, if you read <clears throat> the um, fruit production related parts, and this also includes a lot of the climate parts um, in, the, in the documentation, with, and you look at what is technologically possible today, and and we I'm talking not in the lab but scalable. That's not possible. It, it's simply not happening. But we have eight years to go. In agriculture, eight years is not that long. Uh, in fertilizer, in uh, seed development and fertilizer development is not that long. Well, actually, in fertilizer, it, it it's uh, it's different. But uh, that that will um, um, that will suffice. Yeah. But in seed development and uh, to registration, I mean that if for a certain wheat uh, varieties, it can take 14 years. Uh, and uh, if you look at plant protection, yeah, we should have started uh, finding a new mode of action probably four or five years ago to be able to commercialize it by that time. But that is thinking in the traditional systems. Mm -hmm. um, so the market needs much more capital to uh, build these technologies. Um, and one thing that I think we would, um, that would enable us to do much better in, in Europe, um, now cutting out the Anglo-Saxon part because they think a, a little bit different, is especially the, what we call in Germany the uh, a Tugend uh, of the Mittelstand. So the, um, the, the conservatism of the, the, the SMEs, which has built a, a, a great um, foundation for a lot of countries in Europe, that is kind of like a, like a trying to accelerate through a new transition uh, with a pulled handbrake. Because we, we have 
talks with companies where other investors that are already in there who invested really early are saying, no, you cannot have that valuation because um, then because I want to buy shares again too and that would be too expensive and they're going from like, why would you have tenfolded your valuation? Like I give you a three X and we're like, well, I like a lower valuation, but at the others, we come from a market view. And if the market says it's like eight to 10, it's eight to 10. Yeah. I don't care what you're thinking. And also we think from a very different perspective. And I think we may be a little bit different in, in Europe that there are more of that think like us. Um, after an A round, you want the founders in an ideal case to, uh, to hold over 50% of the company, uh, because you have to think of opportunity costs. Yeah. You don't want the people to leave. Um, and I think, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, companies are already broken by the time we come in through early investors and we need to change that. Right. Uh, you mean broken in a sense of uh, not the having enough? Table is broken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my last question is uh, to kind of summarize or put some hope into it. If you would have to point out into one factor, one aspect, or one element that is like the most perspective or crucial one to drive this new system onwards, what that would be? Ah, tricky. No, it's actually easy, but people are probably going to think, uh, yeah, that, that crazy guy has nothing, no idea about agriculture. And they are right in a lot of, uh, uh, in a sense, but thinking about the 10, 15, 20 years ahead, what we need is, um, say I ca I'd call it a, like a real time operating system. I mean, those things exist already, but we need to apply that to, uh, to farming because we need to handle many, many highly complex inputs, uh, from hardware to plants, to software, um, from many different sources. And we need a system that at a local hyper local level on that specific uh, operation, farm operation, it can make the right decisions. And, and the farmer, I think will, uh, at least in the beginning be, um, and, and hopefully also in the future, be the corrective force, right. Mm -hmm. And say yes or no, this was right. This feels right. Yeah. So this does not exist yet. At the moment, it's a lot of complex information that is coming to a person who cannot digest that anymore. No one could uh, digest that anymore. And that, I think, would be, if we go into that direction, someone builds something like that, that connects, say, two, three different parts to start with, that would be a complete game changer. Thank you so much for, for giving us an overview of the agriculture space in Europe. Um, the last question from my end is like, what's the best way to connect with you and who would be a good fit uh, to have an investor like you? So the best way to connect with me is uh, just uh, uh, email me at uh, Boris with a double R uh, at uh, amatheon.com. Um, 
and basically check out our website that that has uh, a lot of the areas that we invest in. Uh, it's hard to say um, something specific because then it excludes things that would be interesting to look at as well. But but generally, if you're mission driven, um, looking to change something in a very substantial way that will have a very substantial impact, uh, then uh, get in touch. Thank you so much, Boris, for uh, again, for, for the interview and all the information that you shared with us today. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.